Welcome to the Resilient Chat with Nat. I am so grateful you are here. I'm Natasha O.M., your host for this podcast. I'm a trauma survivor and a trauma-trained somatic coach. I specialize in guiding trauma survivors to release stress and trauma from the body and expand their nervous system's capacity. You can find out more about my work at www.akkuholistichealth.com. My mission is to help others break the cycle of abuse and trauma. I understand the healing journey can be overwhelming. My intention with this podcast is to show you that you are not alone, to inspire and to create a ripple effect of love, growth and consciousness. This is a space where I will be sharing with you transformation stories as well as a combination of ancient and modern teachings to help you build resilience and move from pain to power. Welcome beautiful warriors. This episode is a part of the April Sexual Assault Awareness Month series. For that reason, there is a trigger warning that goes along with this episode since we will discuss about sexual assault. However, we do not go into much details. Our intention with this is to provide insights to let you know that you are not alone and perhaps inspire you. So please keep that in mind and feel free to come back when you're ready to listen to this episode or if you do choose to keep on listening, I invite you to pause or stop when you need to and come back if or when you feel ready. I have invited Maria Imakulata. She is also from Indonesia and she is a survivor of gang rape who happened to remember the trauma seven years after the incident took place. And so after a year of deeper healing process, she has risen up from the ashes and slowly built her life. In the last few months, she has been focusing on self-expression and sharing her artwork, such as poetry and crafted stories through her social media. And so in terms of work and career, she is a trainee in play therapeutic skill or play therapy. And with what she has learned and experienced in terms of her own healing process, educational background in psychology and her own spiritual journey, she aspired to share her work with the world to help people reconnect with the beautiful soul that they have within. So in this episode, we get to listen to Ima's journey and how she dealt with the traumatic memories that came to the surface and we will also talk about the importance of community and safe relationships for healing and what is play therapy exactly i don't know if you've heard of it yet but it is wonderful and we're gonna go and talk deeper about this how it works and its benefits and the power of sharing your story welcome ima thank you so much for being here and being on this podcast episode and also to kind of just build awareness for this month's um, theme the sexual assault awareness so would you like to 
share a little bit about who you are and how was your journey like in terms of your healing journey and your story? Yeah. Okay, Natasha, first, thank you so much for having me here. This is my official first podcast, so I'm glad to talk about it. And my name is Maria Mokulata. You can call me Ima. And currently, I've been uh, focusing on my own rebirth period. Like a lot of things that I've done now is really something new, but I can tell it's something that is really me. So in terms of my healing journey, I've started like my kind of like spiritual journey since 2016, but it wasn't until 2019 when I, I feel like I. Uh, it was like a plot twist and I hit my rock bottom there. So what happened was in November 30th, 2019, I finally remember uh, uh, in my night meditation, I saw some pieces of memory that is a gang rape that turned out happened in 2013. So yeah, it was repressed for almost seven years. And after that 2019 until at least uh, 2020, my whole year is really about um, healing this sexual trauma. But I'm really glad because since like earlier in 2019, I have um, I've learned a lot more about like self-care, self-love, and I have like some community in which I feel really safe to be myself. So I feel like the process uh, happened like really quick everything I've, uh, anytime I feel like I have to talk about something and especially my trauma I can just talk it right away with them and so yeah after a one intense year really focusing on that sexual trauma uh, I've been in a really better place like physically sexually mentally and emotionally and also spiritually and I've been focusing on my work uh, creating more artworks because I love to write I love to create a poem and story and so that's what I did like I I love to do a storytelling even I just did it like a week ago which you attended as well and thank yeah. you and so yeah that's what I've been doing Oh, thank you so much for sharing and so I'm curious how did you because as the memories came to the surface you know I had a similar experience as well like you you know the memories came to the surface years and years later um, how did you deal with that uh, first of all I always do a journaling so when I feel like it was just too much and I caught up in my own thought, I would, uh, I would go writing all it all down or well, it was really worse in a way that um, I've gone through like many sleepless nights with like the panic attack, the anxiety. But once I, I feel like I feel safer to maybe it's not safer, but I have more acceptance to what happened. I have more acceptance to say like, okay, this is real. What happened to me was real. And mm -hmm. at the time, I feel like everything just goes easily. And uh, the community itself has been really a great support for me. Like I have, um, I have a member in a meditation center. So a lot of the... Okay part of the trauma every time something resurfaces I can share it in the meditation class and then I'm also a part of a play therapy I currently still on the process to be a practitioner in play therapy and in play therapy so there there are like 
16 of us or oh, it is 17 of us and then plus one uh, course director just like a role model and a mother to us so every time i talk about it like they're kind of like my sisterhood I just like yeah. tell them everything. I can cry, and even when we have like a Zoom meeting, you know that that I don't know, but it's really it's just really amazing because I can cry in front of my laptop while I know that there there are seventy uh, like seventy yeah other faces women. watching you yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and they just like it's okay take your time so I cried in my room but yeah it's just yeah. It, it feels amazing you know because I feel safe to share literally everything with them yeah and that's so nice that you you've had you had that and so you still have it um because community and uh, mm. relationships especially safe relationships you know whether it is with as you said the community that you had in the meditation center or the play therapy community or even like for other people maybe it's their mm. therapist or coaches or a really like trustworthy friend um is a huge part when it comes to healing, healing from trauma, especially. So did you always have this community when you discovered about mm. the trauma that you've had? You've always had them? In terms of uh, like, I actually, I can just call them right away. But at the time in 2019 until 2020, where it was the time, yeah. uh, it was the intense uh, part of the healing process. Okay. Um, I could say that everything was just lining up beautifully in a way that when the trauma came out, I was still having a face-to-face -face interaction in the class. So, and, and actually one of the weird parts is this one. The trauma came out in November 13th, right? So the therapy class, we have it like um, once every two months. So uh, the okay. class, 15 days classes were divided into five blocks. And then uh, uh, at the time in December, I have the, like the third part of the class. And two weeks after the trauma came out. So the first week I processed it by myself. And then I talked to my family the next week. I also talked to one of the practitioner in the meditation center. And then I also have the play therapy class for three days. So it was like lining up beautifully, you know, like somehow yeah. when it all comes out, yeah, the universe has prepared help for me. And yeah. then I remember like, December 12th, 12 days after the mm -hmm. trauma came out was my 25th birthday. And it was also uh, the first play therapy class in the December. And then mm -hmm. on the second day, December 13th, I had I had the second play therapy class. And it's um, the trauma also resurfaced in the class. Like something in the session was triggering me and the memory. But then I, yeah. I, I thought like, okay, I think this is the right time to tell my director, my course director about it. Yeah. So I talked to her in private. Mm -hmm. And later on at the day, we have a clay session. So clay is one of the tools that we have in the play therapy. Yeah. And it was actually crazy in a good way because we 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 play with the clay and we use it to make some uh, basic movements like pinch mm -hmm. and punch and oh that's fun the first thing <laughs> it should be fun but at that time the only thing that came out to my mind is when i hold the clay it mm. feels like i'm holding on to men's genital part 
yeah. And I cried. I cried a lot in that session. Yeah. But thank God because I have talked to my course director, and she she was there, like stood up by my side, like literally and figuratively, mm. because almost for like almost 45 minutes, she stood at my back and she hold uh, some tissues with her. So when yeah. I cried, she she was wiping out my tears and I was just holding on to the clay. Oh my I was like, that's so sweet of her. So yeah, nice. oh my God, oh yeah. I feel like, oh wow. So this is how it feels oh. to have someone contains the space for you. But yeah, yeah I could like, I could still, cry remembering those days because I want to cry and I don't even have that yeah. memory like visualize it but I can like imagine it and it's just wow that's so beautiful like uh, I don't know like such a beautiful moment to yeah to have to and just have that support true and it's really like um that's really strengthened me like I feel yeah. like it's okay it's okay just cry it out and she also said to me like it's okay I'm here just cry it out and later on in the reflection I I I wrote down everything like those genital parts I feel like uh, the clay helped me to release the sensation that I felt unpleasant sensation from the gang rape trauma itself and that was the first time actually and after that because I keep some clays with me every time I feel like I have to touch it it really helps me to bring more feeling of acceptance. Like, mm. I just remember back in the class, like, it's, it's okay if you want to hold it, if you want to release it, like, there's really no judgment. And so, yeah, it's really beautiful start for everything, you know, like, in terms of connecting yeah. with other people and then reconnecting with myself. And then yeah. that's the second day. The third day is even crazier because on the third day, We had a dance and movement station. What's really surprising is uh, on our first day of the class, mm-hmm. the course director said to me, like I asked her something and then she said like, yeah, I just see like you will connect deeply through movement and music. And mm-hmm. she said it like with, without no context. And I just said, oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know lah. Um, she, she knows many things, right? And I said like, oh, okay. Yeah. Music and movement. I never thought about it before. And yeah. on the third day, she asked me to bring a, either a flower or a leaf because we have to make a story out of it. And I, um, the only thing that came to my mind at the day uh, is, was roses because I love roses. So I bought red roses. I think I bought like six roses and then I used three of them in the movement and in the movement itself. Um, well, it, it was really crazy because um, we took turn. So one by one, each of us have to perform. And then after perform, we have to tell the story behind it. The reason why we created such a story. And with the roses, like uh, I used the roses to, because I see it like representing my beauty as a woman. And uh, at first, like I dance like a happy, happy girl, happy young girl. I dance with the rose. And then mm-hmm. after that, um, I symbolize the gang rape and the bad guys with like a stick. I use a stick for dance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what happened after that was I, I torn apart the petals one by one until it was bold. And then I throw it. And I kneeled down and it was all silence and I couldn't hold back my tears. Like it was really, I just like 
kneel down on the floor and I send some prayers but in silence and then mm-hmm. after that um, the rebirth and the awakening I symbolize with I open my hair because before it was tight set up uh-huh. and then I open my hair and yeah. then I took a new rose with me I dance with it and the other roses I give it to other sisters uh-huh. and after that when I have to share my story like it took some minutes for me like to get centered yeah. and I finally say to them like yeah actually the story is about gang rape trauma which resurfaced actually two weeks ago and I have processed it like Yeah, since two weeks ago and a lot of things came out in the class and now I share it to you all like I can feel sense of shame at that time but looking at them and their faces one by one some of them were crying with me and then my course director asked me like do you want us to hug you? Because yeah. she she always reminds us about boundaries, right? Of like, course, consent uh, like, as well. Yeah. yeah, true, true. Especially with like sexual trauma, exactly. anything with the body itself. Yeah. yeah. And then when she asked that, I said, yeah, I need hug. And then they hug me one by one. And then they oh. hug each other one by one as well. And there was really like a strong sense of sisterhood. Like I've never seen something like that before. I am like are... about to cry right now because <laughs> I'm just like I am I have such like you know um visual stuff if people tell me things like I'm I feel like I'm in it so like you hearing you telling me that it's like I just want to cry <laughs> yeah but yeah it, it was really beautiful I still cry sometimes um until now but um seeing them crying with me crying for me and even some of them crying for themselves for what had happened to them as well in the past it was something I've never seen before and yeah yeah, when the thing is Mm -hmm. when I was able to talk about it after that I feel like I don't have to play pretend I can always say things because especially starting from 2020 I resigned from my job I used to work in a school at that time for two years as a um, vice principal and then a counselor. And then when I resigned, I feel like it's really a new start for me, right? But it wasn't easy as well because I felt like, you know, when I see my friends, they kind of like started to go on a top level management. They started to Yeah, they're going up the ladder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I, when I see myself like, are you kidding me? I feel like I have to start all over again from zero point. So, I get that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's huge, right? Sometimes you really have to take a time for a break, a long break. But you know, like that, yeah. that's for the best. And I know because even if I want to push myself to get to work just for the sake of the money and just for the sake of still working, I know that, w- that, will, that will kill me and that times when I felt like disconnected with myself like when the trauma came out it was like um I felt like it it, you know it was like a lost chapter in my book I used to Mm. ask a lot of questions that I don't understand Mm. and because I used to struggle with addiction with porn so one of Mm. the things that keeps me survive in some way is to watch Mm. porn like for Mm. almost two years and as a girl who was raised by a religious parents like mm. 
me watching porn while on the weekend I went to church. It's just crazy. Like I, I felt like I was so disgraced. Like I felt yeah. a huge sense of guilt, guilt and, then, and shame. Yeah, yeah, and sinful. And mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. just like it's it's really not helpful at the time. But um, when the trauma came out, everything just started to make sense. You know, like it shed a light on so many chapters, on so many parts of me that I couldn't understand before. So mm. even though it wasn't easy, but once I have this like community where I can just talk about everything, I can share my story. So the thing is, um, I gain strength and courage when I allow myself to share in a really vulnerable way. And having at least these two community, the meditation center and the play therapy, it like kind of like boosts my self-confidence and it's really rewarding in a way that they never judge any single word that I said. Like uh, even they they kind of like appraise or like give appreciation because they knew what I was going through wasn't easy at all. And you know, I think it's it's really helpful because slowly I can share all those layers and feelings about being disgraced and that feeling of being sinful and everything. And so, yeah, community really plays a huge part in my healing process. Yeah, to make you feel like you're seen and validated. Yeah, and heard. Yeah, because also like when you've experienced trauma and especially you know that's this that kind of trauma mm-hmm. um I, I know also speaking from experience it was there was so much um shame and like mm-hmm. even just telling the story about it like for yeah. me the the memory it was kind of like kept on being repressed because mm-hmm. I was like oh no it's just a nightmare it's just a nightmare also mm-hmm. I think there's another part of me that didn't want to um, accept that that happened mm. because that would mean like oh I'm I'm dirtier you know mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. so again sinful because again what happened to me was at a very young age you know mm-hmm. so yeah uh, having a community is so 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 helpful also yeah, when I also started to meet other other people talk to other survivors as well was so helpful to help me realize okay, it actually, you know, it's, I don't have to be ashamed about this because technically it's mm. not my fault, right? And it's not yes. your fault either. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it's these people. <laughs> <sighs> wow, thank you so much. So I know that we've been talking, you've been kind of describing a lot about um, your journey in mm. therapy, um, but we never really got to define what is play therapy because I'm sure there are some people out there that's kind of like, play therapy that's interesting that's the first time I'm yeah it because I don't think like uh, we talk about this so much I mean you know, we're mm. now just for example um start to uh like get to know and become familiar with somatic therapy for instance mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. can you explain what is play therapy Okay, so I feel like in my own words, to put it simply, play therapy is a form of therapy 
uh, to help people who ha who have like um, behavior, emotional problems. Um, and the way we help it or the way the therapists help it is through some forms of art and play. So at least um, uh, usually we use like uh, eight tools. There are um, music, dance and movement and therapeutic storytelling also um, art usually art will go like painting coloring and some kind like that and then we also have puppets and we have clay and then a sentry so in sentry like we're a what we're, a sentry a sentry yeah. yeah okay yeah like like playing sand in the mm -hmm. in a tray in a box yeah. and then we can play and put some figurines and create stories out of it so basically those are the tools and um, um, in pre-therapy for the practitioner or the therapist there are two levels so the first one that I'm still going uh, on the process right now is to be a certified um, practitioner in play therapeutic skill with this title later on after I finish my practice I, uh, I am capable to handle children from age 4 to 16 with a case uh, mild to moderate. So that's how like they divide it. And then if I go on to the next level to become a therapist, the mm -hmm. title will be um, play therapist or this it's called like diploma. Mm -hmm. And then I am capable to handle all kinds of clients, all, all ages, like I can handle adults, I can handle uh, the case, the silver case, and also like, um, some special cases like children with disabilities, uh, like mm. sexual sexual trauma, considered as a severe case, mm -hmm. and yeah. also for um, like a adopted child, that's also considered yeah. as a severe case. So yeah, but for me, uh, for the practitioner level, that's what uh, that's what I can handle. Usually, the mild to moderate cases. It's kind of like um, children who goes on like nightmare, couldn't sleep, or maybe like doesn't want to go to school or selective mute or like mm. having a mild level of anxiety, something like okay. that. Got it. Got it. Sounds super um, exciting. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with like somatic therapy as well. You know how you mentioned about movement, dance, uh, using tools as, as well, mm. you know, just basically using anything else, but without like having to just think and talk think it and out, talk. right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the things that we learned is Play is the language of child. So, you know, many times, like, the, even if the children want to say something, there were times that they just couldn't understand how to say it right. So the play and the toys and the tools are the ones that is going to help them to communicate it and to express it. Yeah, but this can also work for adults, right? As you as you mentioned, because also like we all, no matter what age we are, we have an inner child within. And yes. when we go through like a traumatic event, and the our inner child gets wounded um, in a way. So yeah, makes makes perfect sense. And play, I think it also brings us from this state of fixity to flow mm. you know just kind of like explore let's let's get curious let's explore you true, know rather true. than like being so serious about it um yeah I love that it's so exciting 
Yeah, and because also in play, there's no right or wrong. There's really yes. a huge lesson for me, okay? Because I used to think like, okay, if I want to play a piano, I should be like a professional, I, I should play it well. But in play therapy, yeah. I could just like, like doing this like imaginary piano and we yeah. were playing and that's, yeah. that's really great. And yeah. yeah, Natasha, actually, because I also love to learn about somatic practice uh, since last year, yeah. uh, it really helps me to understand more about play because, uh, I mean, in some terms, we are really similar because we talk about self-regulation yeah. and attunement. Mm-hmm. And I talk about attunement in play therapy, but it wasn't until I read from the perspective of somatic that I understand that the attunement level not just happening on like, Uh, in play therapy, we talk about right brain to right brain, but mm-hmm. in somatic, I understand that it also happened in the nervous system level, right? So exactly. I feel like, ah, oh, it's really amazing yeah. <laughs> to see from both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I love um, learning about or getting to know about different modalities that exist mm-hmm. out there, like, you know, play therapy, somatic therapy, or hypnotherapy. I oh, And then once I get to learn about these different modalities, I'm like, they're all like kind of interlink, you know, mm. they have a commonality and it's beautiful. So I'm curious with play therapy, um, can you hold sessions online? Because, you know, right now with the COVID situation, uh, is it possible? Do people do that? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I mean, if you talk about the rules and the regulation, we're mm-hmm. not allowed to do that. But um, it's more like if the if the therapist is mm-hmm. also a psychologist or a counselor, they may use the tools in play therapy and mm-hmm. they may use it in their counseling session. But as a practitioner or the therapist in play therapy itself, we we haven't allowed to start our practice at least until I think until the vaccine's done. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. So would you say that play therapy has played a really big role in terms of your um, healing from sexual trauma? It is like, it's huge in terms of the, like all of the activities and the community. Yeah. I mean, I think earlier I emphasized more on the community and the sisterhood, right. But all of the tools, Mm-hmm. it's just so amazing they helped me to reconnect with the parts of myself and uh, I think the other amazing things about play therapy is how the therapist or the practitioner holds the space for us so there's a term of good enough mother we see the therapist or the practitioner as a container someone who holds the space for us until we ourselves able to hold space for ourselves yeah and then the good enough mother part is really beautiful because we learn like even though sometimes we caught up in the thought that okay I have to like reach this certain level to be a good practitioner or therapist mm-hmm. but uh but then we learn from like our course director she said no you just have to be you because you are a good enough mother. And every time you meet your client, you both are learning from each other and together in so many ways. So you don't, you just really have to be you. And ah, the difference is, the difference between the practitioner level and the therapist level is actually this. Uh, in this practitioner level, we use a non-directive method. So a lot of, we really don't talk a lot 
what we do is like just being the reflection for the client and then we just emphasize few things that they said um but it's really about like attunement mm -hmm. about uh being a reflection and then we didn't talk a lot uh, while on the therapist level we use directive method which is yeah a lot of talk involved as well yeah. but I'm really glad because so actually I have my bachelor degree in psychology somehow learning yeah. the psychology <laughs> makes me overthinking like literally everything and so I thought like oh my god yeah like this person is it like it is uh she struggle with these terms like maybe like bipolar or something but I got distracted with the like diagnose and everything yeah. and when I go to play therapy I'm really glad I just like I just feel a huge relief you know because I don't have to think about everything I just have to focus on the client, on what they are doing. And then somehow we kind of like play together and it really helps me to boost my own playfulness. And so in terms of the trauma, I feel like I get really stiff, like literally and figuratively, like my body got stiff. And then I was so scared to do something uh, like uh, uh, years ago when I was still in college, I... I don't like to go to toilet, you know, because it's kind of like a social anxiety. I don't want people to see me. But in play, there's no way you cannot be seen, especially when you play it one-on-one. -on -one. So mm -hmm. we do a lot uh, of role-playing in the class. Mm -hmm. And it's really amazing. One of the amazing sessions for me is music. Just as like my course director said, I can connect deeply with music. So at the time, what we do is um, we... We had a role play where I was the client and then my friend become a therapist and the other one become an observer. Mm -hmm. And we play, uh, I don't remember, I think we play some kind of drums or something. Yeah. And the, it, the most magical thing that happened is when I play with the drum, I didn't say anything. But when the therapist, my friend as the therapist, also like banging on the drum, I felt like... Um, my voice is like kind of like echoing or someone is answering my question okay and i felt something in my heart yeah because one of the thing is my mom she is um oftentimes she she used like silent treatment when she couldn't say something she would go silent and so i get stressed out That's easily when people yeah. Yeah, when people doesn't answer me, like fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. Oh, yeah, yeah and I get that. At the time, when we play the music instrument in the class, we play it like one by one. I uh, after my friends, I will go, and then uh, after me, my friends will go uh, with her turn. I cried in the class because I said to my course director, my friends, like, I feel like I'm being heard. I feel like someone is answering me. But I don't even know what kind of question I asked at the time. But ever since that, like, I, it's kind of like activating a part of me that mm -hmm. I didn't know it was there before. And what I noticed also, I become more spontaneous. Like, I just do things without too much thinking. It was scary at first, but because I have this safe space, I have these people who, who really see me for who I am. Slowly, I when I feel safer, I can just do things um, 
in a bigger scale and when yeah. I say bigger scale it means like when I uh, maybe I started small I express it to my friends or to my family and now I feel more comfortable and confident to share my artworks in social media which is kind of like a huge step for me right from like yeah. being the survivor to being able to express myself yeah, yeah exactly But, uh, from yeah, hiding to was... to like thriving yeah Yeah, yeah. From hiding in that dark corner to allow yeah. myself to be seen. Exactly. Yeah, this is also one of the process that I uh, that I received from going through play therapy. Yeah, and that's so nice. That's so nice. Yes. So, um, I know that you're um, you have been hosting storytelling events. Do you want to share a little bit more about what is it? And yeah. So for me, when I when I um, have a storytelling event, I feel like I'm being a tour guide, and I bring uh, this group of friends for uh, an an adventure, you know. And the storytelling that I created, I use the framework from play therapy. So because I learned about therapeutic storytelling. Every story crafted in a therapeutic way, which means like it has its own flow, it has its own components that it makes people or the audience that listen to the story uh, will feel some level of uh, healing, or at least they can gain insight about something. And the last one that I did, well, usually I will, uh, from the lesson that I have gained from my own journey, I I put it in the story. So, you know, instead of telling people just like it is, I craft it in a story. And because the story is interacting with our subconscious level, especially with symbols. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I tried to provide or I tried to share the lesson and the wisdom through the symbols. So um, I think one of the things that I learned from play therapy as well is that um, the therapist always put their trust to the client that the client are the one that knows what they need the most and the therapist is just there to be like their friends until they can figure out what what is it that they need so I feel like when I also craft a story and I share it with other people I feel like this is from my perspective it, it can be useful is useful for you but I believe you can gain other difference insight Um, I think that's also the magic of the story, you know, we kind of like connect to one story, but then we came home with different kind of takeaways. Yeah, yeah like it depends on how you interpret it, right? It's like yes. um, we could be watching the same movie, for instance, mm. and you could see it as one way and I could see it as the other way. Yes. Yeah. Okay, nice. So what are your dreams for yourself and for the world? Okay, so my dreams, um, two weeks ago, I saw this post from Rupi Kaur, and yeah. I never really pay attention to like a poet or an artist because I never considered myself as an artist. But once I started my own journey of like being an artist, writer, and uh, yeah, just like this, I saw her post, um, she's like having a show where thousands of people came to listen to her reading her poems. Mm-hmm. And that made me cry, like, oh my God, like 
it's really possible to do that because I never considered it's possible for me. But when I look back to my childhood, I love to perform. I love being in the spotlight. I yeah. love to share and to talk just like this. Yeah. And so when I see her, I feel really encouraged. Like, yeah, so one of the things that I want to do is I want to perform on the stage where many people can listen to me, like my story from the survival things, from my healing journey to my storytelling and to my collection of poems. And I think that one is the biggest dream for now. And the second one, in terms of for the world, um, from my own healing journey, I see like how impactful things can be when we can hold space for other people without judgment. Like I can see how I heal. Um, I feel like my healing process kind of flow. Well, it wasn't easy, but I feel yeah. like it's um, it's. I could say like it's it gets a bit faster because I have the right support system and so what I want to do is to provide a support system or at least to set an example of how a support system can be really powerful for your healing process and one of the things is to talk openly about gang rape and other kinds of sexual trauma because I want people to know that even though you don't choose to to speak up in public like me or like you mm -hmm. at least I want them to know that it's okay for them to speak up for themselves in so many ways even if it's just like to their parents or to their friends and I want them to know that when people reject it yeah. it's not because of them okay, or their yeah. story yeah. but because those people are simply just not ready for it and I want people exactly. to know like you can always find the place where you belong, where you can go. And yeah, that's that's one of my biggest dreams. I, will, I really want to use my social media to talk about it more, including yeah. from my very own experience. Yeah, and I will put um, your your Instagram held account um, in the description. So anyone who ever that wants to follow you um, to just click on it and just follow you and yeah support Ima <laughs> yeah it's 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 so beautiful you know what you just said about speaking up and hmm. um, I it's it's so nice and also like maybe some people are don't want to share right they don't hmm. want to speak up hmm. like what you and I are doing exactly um, and it's also to not make them feel alone right when we yeah, yeah. When we share yeah. these things and this is the whole point like why I'm doing like these podcast uh, episodes especially mm -hmm. for this month is for that to provide um, kind of like some a space for mm -hmm. all of the survivors to just be be seen um, mm. that they're not alone and that they have this power this is a lesson for me that I've been <laughs> kind of like um, in, um, also le learning myself mm. about reclaiming my power you know yeah true because I felt like my power was taken away from me you know for many times and at a mm. very young age mm. as well so learning how to reclaim my power again it has been a journey I'm sure you understand it too yes but yeah, oh, thank you so much, Imam. Yes, you're welcome. So any last words before we finish? Ah, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about this, like, uh, there's a really thin line between hiding and not telling, because I learned it from a conversation with my friend. She has 
her own story and she when she sees me and my journey she asked me like will everyone have to go through what you go through like speaking up in public and everything I said like no because everyone has their own lesson and their own yeah. journey and I don't know if it's like if it's something that you want to do but if it makes you feel free then do it but there's a thin line between hiding and not telling because Absolutely. at least you can make peace with yourself and your story when you are in a room with just yourself. And so I asked them like, do you feel comfortable with your own story when you're in a room with yourself? Hmm. And yeah, she kind of doubts it. But so my message for everyone is like, when you're accepting your story, it doesn't mean like you have to go to everyone to tell, to talk yeah. about it. But exactly. it's really the most important part is when you're just by yourself, sitting there by yourself in a room, can you feel that acceptance and sense of peace with your own story? If yes, then it's good. Mm -hmm. But because if it's not, then maybe probably that's something that you should work for or like a question you should reflect on. Have I really accept my own story and my own journey? Yeah, but yeah. that's something that I just learned recently as well. Yeah, exactly. And also when you are ready to share your story you know I don't encourage you to just you know go on a podcast for instance I mean of, of you yeah. can but like maybe first share it with a safe person mm -hmm. um, someone that you trust or a safe therapist or practitioner mm -hmm. but yeah I totally agree thank you so much thank you for being here Thank you for inviting me and for having this beautiful talk. I hope you have had some amazing takeaway from this episode. And thank you so much for listening to the Resilient Chat with Nat. Be sure to subscribe to listen to more uplifting conversations and teachings. And take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at N-A-T-H-A-S-Y-A-O-M. So I know that you're listening, learning, and growing. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be found by people who are like you, who are on their healing journey or personal growth journey. Other than that, please be sure to tune in for the next episode and I'll talk to you next time. I can't wait to share more with you. I am sending you love.